Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bibles this evening, I'll be ministering and we'll be moving towards our first passage in the book of John chapter 8. But before we get there, I want to let you know what the Lord has been speaking to my heart. You know, the last few Wednesdays that I've had the opportunity to share with the teaching of the word, the preaching of the word, or the preaching of the word, which is the preaching and the teaching combined. <laughs> um, we have been talking about emotion. We've been talking about dealing with your emotion set. How many remember that? We talk about dealing with your waist set, your mindset. Amen. Tonight we're going to talk about your offense set. And it's interesting that I will be preparing and digging into the scriptures and diving into this weeks in advance. And then usually when the word comes, it is something that is needed. But tonight that's what I want to share. And as you just hold there in that pattern, I want to thank you on behalf of Beverly and I and our family for your prayers on Sunday Evening, our daughter and son-in-law came back from a trip for Ethan's birthday, and we had kept Liam over the weekend so they could go, and when they got back to the house and was getting ready to pick him up and take him, they were sitting in the living room, we were laughing, carrying on, you know, like we do, and talking about the trip, talking about our church service for the morning, and was decreeing the finished work, the finished work, and just, you know, just re recapping the day. And Caitlin was sitting on the floor playing with Liam, and she mentioned that she could not see out of her right eye very well. She was having trouble with her vision. Kind of triggered a, back in December, she had complained of the same thing at one point. But then you never know. You don't, sometimes you dismiss things. You all, you know, we're just something, a fluke or something. But when she began to say that, and we was still having a good time and talking, and then she moved to the recliner, and she was sitting on the recliner, and we were talking, and her words began to come out in gibberish, and she couldn't make sense. Her words didn't make sense to us. The sentences weren't flowing, and the words were jumbled, and it was really odd. Well, immediately, we recognized this is not correct. Pastor Beverly's dad suffered a stroke 20 years ago, is paralyzed on his left side, so when it comes to these type of symptoms, you learn to be alert and when you've walked through something like that. And immediately we knew something went right. We jumped up off the couch, laid hands on Caitlin, and began to pray over her. And things seemed to have gotten better, and we were content, and they said they were going to take the baby and go, and they were tired, and Caitlin said, I just maybe need to lay down. So Ethan went to get the, the, the baby's things, and... And then Beverly kept testing her. She tested her, I want to see you smile. And she smiled. And then she said, uh, she was getting ready to say, I want you to lift your hands over your head. And during that, Caitlin's words started being gibberish again, and she looked dazed. And Beverly said, you're not going home. You're going to the hospital immediately. And so they went to the ER. We kept the baby. And seemed like eternity to get a response from them. But when they got there, she had suffered a full-blown stroke on her right side. She had lost vision. 
She could not speak, and she was, uh, her right side was terribly affected. They began to diagnose and begin to consult the OBGYN and all of those things because she was 34 weeks Sunday, uh, 34 weeks along in pregnancy. And so with the consultation, they decided to administer to her the TPA medicine, which is if given in the three-hour window of someone who supposedly has had a stroke, there's a good chance that it can reverse the effects of the stroke. Within the hour, at the end of the hour, after giving her that, she'd gained her eyesight, she had gained her speech, and she gained her right side. She was just a little weak in her body. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And you know, as a parent, you are trusting God, you're believing God, and as a parent, you, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go to the what ifs. What if they had not been home? What if they had not had they been on the road? You go through that, you know, as a parent. And you start saying, then you have to cast down thoughts and de decree the finished work of God. And so they transported her to Methodist Hospital because they said downtown Indy that, that they were better equipped uh, to take care of her. They took her there. They began to work on her, CAT scans, MRIs, the whole nine yards. And they're looking out for her and the baby. And then... Her uh, protein began to show up in, out of her system, which was a signifying of preeclampsia. Of course, you know that's in the blood, and the only way to stop it from continuing is to deliver the baby. So here we are six weeks early and believing God and saying, Lord, whatever you want to do, we trust you and the finished work that you can do. And so they begin to make preparation, and by Monday morning they were talking that they were going to uh, give her the uh, emergency C-section because uh, she wouldn't be able to have the baby naturally. But on Tuesday morning, they were supposed to do that around 8 o'clock. They were waiting for all that TPA to get out of her system, which is a blood thinner, so they, if they had to do surgery, you know. And the surgery time got moved and all of that, and we were waiting on pins and needles for a word, and we're sending out you know, prayer requests and asking you to pray. And uh, they, she went in at noon for surgery. The baby was born at 1241. She was six pounds and one ounce, 19 and three-fourth inches long. Amen. And Caitlin went into recovery. She came out of recovery good. They're working with her. With believe maybe five more days she might be in the hospital, maybe shorter. Uh, moving her around now into a different room. And then the baby's in the NIC unit, little Eliana Ray Coffin. And uh, so we, we're so excited we haven't held her yet. And they say it could be a couple weeks in the hospital. And uh, with stinking COVID, it's been hard to get in to be able to see. You all know what I mean. So how many would rejoice and pray <laughs> that, that God will... Continue us forward. I believe he's done a finished work. And on, on Tuesday morning, before they did the surgery, the doctors came in to, to, to counsel with Caitlin and Ethan, and they were baffled. And they said, um, we can't figure this out, but the last MRI, the latest MRI, we can't even see a trace of the stroke. There's no residual of a stroke. 
Brother JR would say, won't he do it? Yes, he will. God will keep you. And I just rejoice, and we thank you for your prayers. And, of course, she's part of our family. We would pray with you and weep with you and cry with you. Together, we're going to make it across the finish line. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Continue to lift him up in prayer, and uh, we'll, we'll hope to see him soon. And Caitlin, give her own testimony. Amen. <laughs> I want to minister tonight on the thought of a fence set and talk to you just for a moment, if I can, on offenses. And how many know that offenses are everywhere? It's amazing how many opportunities we can have in just one month to be offended. But you don't have to take offense just because it's offered. You don't have to take it. And that's where we need to be smart enough to tell the devil, no, thank you. I've had enough of that in my life. I think I'll pass this time. I think I'll just believe the, ble the best and go on and enjoy my life. So tell the devil, not today, devil. We get offended at people. We get offended at God. We get offended at the word. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight because we become offended at ourselves when we don't know what to do. The government, trouble, stores where we shop, traffic, high prices, gas prices, even God's word can offend people because they don't want to hear the word. But God's word is truth. And one of the things that I want to talk about today I, is how people get offended by the truth and it's all over the Bible by example. A lot of the stuff that's going on in our world today. Well, if you pray in school, that offends me. And you know how it won't be long before somebody said, if you pray in the restaurant, that offends me. Dr. Seuss offends me. We can be offended by anything. And the only reason why God could ever possibly offend anyone is simply because... They don't want to submit their life to God. They want to do what they want to do. And all they would really have to do is look and see that they're not doing such a hot job. It does, listen, it doesn't take a scientist or even a really extremely in, intelligent person to look at our society today and see that more people are trying to get rid of God, and the more we do that, the worse the condition is. Now, let me give you a definition tonight. I may teach a little bit tonight. I might preach. I don't know. But the word offense comes from a Greek word, scandalon. And it literally means the part of the animal trap that the bait hung on that lured the victim to the trap. So if I was to look at the word offense and understand that it's a trap if I was going to set a mouse trap I'd put a little cheese on that little spring how many know what I'm talking about when that cheese becomes the bait and the animal if it wants the cheese bad enough it gets caught in it and that's the end of it and so we understand that offense is the bait of Satan John Brevere wrote a great book called The Bait of Satan. I encourage you to get that book. And this is something that tries to get us every time we turn around. But not only does this word mean scandalin, the part of the trap, but the word offense also means a stumbling stone 
or a rock of offense. Jesus was actually called a rock of offense because people were going along and what they heard, the truth coming into their ear, they didn't want to hear it. And so the Bible said that they stumbled over it. That's why he's a rock of offense, a stumbling rock, a stumbling stone, that when the truth came, they stumbled over the truth because they did not want to hear it, and it became a place for them to fall and cease making progress in their life. Now, let me give you an example, because if you're going to church and you've got a great church, you're part of the family of that church, and you're growing, you're learning, now all of a sudden something happens and the preacher doesn't do something that you like or somebody else doesn't do something that you like and you have the opportunity to be offended. Now that moment becomes a stumbling place. Come on. And we don't make any progress when we're stumbling. We stop growing when we are in a stumbling place. And offenses are very dangerous, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight because the danger of the offense is we have to deal with it. If we don't deal with it, we will stay in a stuck place. Elbow somebody or even elbow your own self and say, stop being stuck in the stumbling place. I want to talk to you tonight about being offended by the truth. And you say, well, why in the world would I be offended by the truth, Pastor? Well, we do get offended by the truth. We don't mind if it's a truth about somebody else. But if it's a truth about us, then that's another story altogether. And I remember a time in my life when I loved the Lord, but I didn't study the Word of God like I do now. I mean, I was saved and I loved Him, but I didn't study the Word of God. And I was living what I consider now, looking back, a pitiful, pathetic, and unproductive, non-victorious life. I'd go to church, I'd shout with everybody else, but I'd go home on Monday, I'd still have my troubles. I'd still be down in the mouth. I loved the Lord. I loved serving Him. And I loved being part of something. And I knew that I had passed from death unto life, but I wasn't a student of the Word. And you don't have to wonder, listen, you don't have to look around and point at anybody, but you can tell when somebody is a student of the word. It'll, it comes out in the way they live, in the way they talk. And I remember that time very seriously in my life. Jesus was my savior, but I had not yet made him Lord. And there is a difference between the two. Let me give you some scripture tonight. John chapter 8 and verse 31. And the Bible says, so Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings, and live in them. Everybody say, live in them. Live in accordance with them. You are truly my disciples. And you will what? You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Is that, is that enough to shout about right there? Jesus said, if you'll live in my word, if you'll stay in my word, abide in my word, and it's not just hearing the truth that makes you free, it's living in the truth that makes you free. It's applying the truth to our life. And he said, if you hear my words and if you live in them, if we let what we've learned to do in the word of God work in us, then and only then will it set us free. Ephesians chapter 4 
And verse 15, Paul said to the church in Ephesus, rather, let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, enfolded in love. And I love this part. Let us grow up in every way and in all things unto him who is the head, even Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. He is saying we have to grow up. I know you've been wanting to tell somebody this. So say it out loud so they can hear you. It's time that we grow up. And I don't just need to grow up. I need to grow up in every area of my life. So what he's clearly saying in this passage in the book of Ephesians is that we cannot grow without truth. I can't grow without truth. And I think we'd be safe for us to say that everyone in this place and those watching are probably on a different level in their walk with God. And that's totally fine. We are all at a different level. One person's here, one person's here, one person's over here, one person's over here. The only way that you get to the next place in your life that you're wanting to be at is that you have to allow God to deal with you where you are right now. And the only way that that's going to happen is if you are a hearer of the truth and you live in the truth so that God may deal with you. And listen, you may, you may even in your own life realize that back in January, well, you know, I, I didn't even see this before, but now, since I've been walking with God since January, I see that this is not in accordance to God's word for my life because he has brought truth to me. And I know I need to change and I need to allow the work of the Holy Ghost in my life to bring a change in me. And then you go along and everything's fine and you're doing good and you think you're not going to have any more problems at all. But then February comes. Come on now. You see something else in your life that God's after. And you come to church and you know you got a problem with being offended so you got to go home and take care of it. You go to meetings and the Holy Ghost is speaking. You listen to the TV and the preachers on TV are preaching and the Holy Ghost is speaking and you know every time you turn around, God is trying to get your attention. And I don't know about you, but I remember when I first started studying the Word of God and I mean getting into the Word and I'm talking, digging, long before the internet, I remember I had concordances and every Bible I'd get my hands on and I'm praying and asking questions and I want to know I'm eager beaver. I won't know everything that the word is saying. But when I first started studying the word, I just thought, I, I don't even know if I want to, uh, to hear anything else because every time I hear something in the word of God, it's like God is preaching to me and it, just, and it gets tired. Sometimes I felt like God was picking on me. I can't go from one month to the next month and he's after something in me again. Why is that? Here's why. Because we all have blind spots in our life. Just like you have blind spots in your side mirrors of your car. You think you can see everything, but then all of a sudden something comes out of nowhere that you did not see. That's why it's good to use all three mirrors, amen? The one up here, the one over here, the one over there. You start looking at all the mirrors so that you can... Keep yourself from the blind spot. And we all have blind spots in our life. It's very easy to be blind by ourselves. 
We got an opinion about everybody else, but when it comes to us, we have a blind spot. We're doing something and we don't even really realize how it's affecting somebody else. And so God will try to get in our business and he'll try to show up and deal with our blind spot. And then he'll try to convict us through the word of God. And he'll put us in the right place to hear the right message in hope that we realize that that's for us. But most of the time while we're sitting there, we're thinking, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. I wish somebody else could be here to hear this word because this is for them and it's not for me. But see, I want you to understand, you don't need to sit here today and think about all the people that need to be watching online right now and all the people that you wish were here, how bad they need to hear this message. They may need it, but you do too. Look at somebody and say, you need it too, boo. You need to hear the message. You need to hear the word of God. The more truth you hear, the more you grow, the more you learn. And, and so we have to stay where the word of God is coming forth in truth. So we all have blind spots in our life, things that we don't see. And that's why God uses his word, his spirit, his pastors to help us with our blind spots. But we've got to be open and say, God, I want your help. I need your help in our life. And if we're not open, open, we will move into attack mode to every person that's trying to help us get out of our mess. Somebody comes along being led by the Holy Ghost to help us and we get mad and we get upset and say, "Who? you don't know me like that. You don't have the right to speak. We go into attack mode because we don't want nobody to call us out on our stuff. But what is God trying to do? God is trying to get me to my promise. God is trying to get me to receive my promotion that he promised me, but he has to reveal my blind spot because my blind spot is blocking my potential. But if we're not open to allow God to reveal our blind spot, we're sitting in church, streaming and Facebooking and Instagramming while I'm up here preaching, and you're going to go home tonight in the same mess you came here with. We're sitting in a church, but we're not hearing the message. So he sends someone or something to confront us because we're running from, we're dancing around, we're trying to evade and avoid the truth. God is not upset with us. He's trying to help us. He's trying to deal with our blind spots. What I'm preaching to you tonight You've probably already heard 10 times already, but God is trying to get your attention. You say, Pastor, how do you know? Because the Bible says in John 16, and I want you to turn there. In John 16 and verse 13. Excuse me. But when he, the spirit of truth, the Amplified said the truth-giving spirit comes, that he will guide you into all the truth. I want to read that first part again. But when he, the spirit of truth, we're speaking about the Holy Ghost, the truth-giving spirit, when he comes, what will he do? He will guide us into all truth. The Bible said that the Holy Ghost would guide us into truth. He won't throw me into truth because he knows if he threw me into truth, I'd be a mess. I wouldn't know how to handle it. So he has to gently lead me into truth. 
He prepares me to see the things that I cannot see, but I need to see. He helps me walk through those things so that he can then give me the life that he promised he wanted to give me. God doesn't want you to have a little bit of truth. God wants you to have a whole lot of truth because he wants you to walk in your potential and reach your promise and live in your promotion. Can I hear an amen? And most of us hearing this message tonight, if we would be honest about it, we could admit that God is dealing with us in an area of our life right now. You don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to look uncomfortable. But most of us would admit God is trying to deal with me in some area of my life right now. Because the Bible said if God loves me, he will chasten me. If God loves me, he will spank me. If God loves me, he will correct me. And even right now, you might not even be in a correcting season. Right now, you might be tiptoeing from glory to glory. Everything is just happening wonderful, but I'm telling you, God still has a way of bringing us up into truth and getting truth to us. If he leaves us alone, we ought to get more concerned than if he's dealing with us. If he's dealing with us, it's a sign that he loves us. God's not trying to point out all of the things that are wrong with us. He's not trying to condemn us, but rather God is trying to guide us into things that are going to help. Do you need help with your marriage? Then get to church. You need help with your marriage? Then you need the truth. Do you need help with your insecurity issues? Then you need the truth. You need help with your anger? And your temper flare-ups, punching holes in drywall, you need the truth. Do you need help with relationships? Can't get along with everybody? Always in odds with somebody? Then you need the truth. Do you need help with your finances? You're as broke as Job's turkey? then you need the truth. Come on, somebody. God is trying to guide us into more peace, guide us into more joy, and guide us into more fulfillment, but we need the truth of God in our life. Now, I want to make a statement tonight that I believe all of us probably realize, and I want you to write this down. Do you know that not submitting to authority is a huge problem in our society today? It is the spirit of rebellion. And the Bible says it is the spirit of Antichrist. And in the Old Testament, it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And we don't think anything at all about, well, if I don't agree with that, I ain't going to do it. And I ain't doing that. And I ain't doing that. Pastor trying to hold us accountable. I don't have to live by that. I can do it. God called me. I'm going to live my best life. And, and listen, I'm telling you, we get offended. I don't have to do all that. And we have people who get offended because we ask them to sit in a certain seat. This section's reserved here. This section's reserved over here. And this section's reserved there. And, and so what happens is uh, they say, can you move so we can make more room? And we suck our teeth and pop our neck and get up and huff and puff like a pig and act like we're going to blow somebody's house in like the big bad wolf and say, well, if I have to. And then we wonder why we don't get anything out of the service, 
why we can't receive the truth that will make us free every time that God begins to deal with us something in our life we should just jump up and down for joy and say thank you God for loving me enough to look after me and dealing with me because if you ever stop dealing with me you're what the Bible says I am a bastard because I'm not a son and if I'm a son he will correct me Don't let the devil tell you that you're the only one because I can tell you that you are not the only one. God deals with me about stuff all the time. Oh my. I've been a serious student of the word of God for several years now since I've been pastoring. I'm going to tell you, pastoring is a learning curve, but it's more than being a preacher. Anybody can preach, but not everybody can pastor. And I become a student of the word and ask the Holy Spirit to read me because if you'll read your Bible right, your Bible will read you. And I've been, since studying the word of God, doing everything that I can to live in agreement with God. And even still, he's after stuff in me. He's after attitudes. He's after opinions. Come on. He's after my big mouth. Oh, come on now. So I've come to a point that I've come to a point where I just am concerned when he's not dealing with me. Let me give you some Bible. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 8, here Paul is writing this church in the church of Corinth, correcting them because they had an issue in the congregation that they would not deal with, a church that was dysfunctional, a church that allowed stuff to go on that shouldn't go on, didn't deal with it, let people be rebellious. Do you know that sometimes will God... God will deal with us when we won't deal with us. And here he writes this letter and he says, for even though I did grieve you with my letter, you can tell Paul didn't want to write the letter. Even though I did grieve you with the letter, I did not regret it. Now, though I did regret it, for I see that that the letter did pain you, though only for a little while. And I love what Paul says. He's like, you know, I I wrote this letter and I didn't want to have to write it. But now, even though I felt bad about it at the time, I don't feel bad about it now. Because I know it helped you. Yes, it hurt your feelings, boo-boo. But it helped you. And sometimes, like even as a pastor, when I have to correct someone, and I don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy hurting people. That's the last thing in the world that I want to do is hurt somebody. And sometimes we put it off and we put it off. And sometimes you even will put off correcting your children because you love them and you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to have to take a privilege away from them. So we always hope and we always pray everything away. But sometimes that don't work. Many times you just got to confront the devil Confront the situation and say it stops now. And Paul says, you know, I did regret it at first because I know that it pained you, but only for a little. My letter did pain you, but now I'm glad you were in pain. (laughs) How do I know? Because look at verse 9. Yet I am glad now. (laughs) Not because you were pained, but because you were pained into repentance. And you turned back to God. For you felt a grief such as God meant you to feel, so that in nothing you might suffer loss through us or harm for what we did. You know, that's where you talk about 
that you have a godly sorrow that works repentance. You're not just sorry that you got caught or sorry that you acted wrong, but you have a godly sorrow, and you know it's a godly sorrow because you repent quickly. Verse 10, for godly grief and the pain God has permitted to direct produce a repentance that leads and contributes to salvation and deliverance from what? From evil. And it never brings regret. But worldly grief, the hopeless sorrow that is characteristic of the pagan world, it's deadly and it's breeding ending in death. And I love that. But you see, it hurts our feelings when we get corrected. Hello? It hurts our feelings when someone has to correct us. When we don't have respect for spiritual authority like we should. So if a pastor goes and confronts somebody in the congregation, and I mean in love, obviously, lovingly about whatever it is, you know, I really need you to stop getting to church late. You're late all the time. If you're not going to be here on time, sit in the back. You march all the way down to the front. You have to excuse yourself past five people. You interrupt the whole flow of the service, and it's very distracting. Well, bless God, I'm not, I don't have to put up with that. Ain't nobody going to talk to me that way. You're hindering everyone around you. Well, I don't like that. But you know a person that's doing that, they already know. The person already knows that what they're doing is wrong. I'm just using the late example, but you can fill in the blank. They already know they're not listening to God. They're already convicted every time they do it. And the problem is they do it over and over and over until they have become hardened and spiritually dead and dug themselves into a rut. You become so callous that you don't get it. Everyone else around you can see it, but you don't get it. So out of love, and not only for you, but out of love for the people that you disturb, God may send somebody to gently say to you, hey, you really need to take care of this in your life. And we need to say, instead of blowing up and doing whatever we do in the flesh, we need to say, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was a problem. Forgive me. I'm making sure that I'll be on time. <laughs> I'll sit somewhere where I can't be a disturbance. And you say, Pastor, that's silly. Is it? <laughs> Even little things like that anymore. In today's world, it's gotten to the point where ain't nobody will tell me what to do. But I want you to write this down. You'll never go to the next level unless you receive truth about the level you're on. Is anybody getting help tonight? And I'm going to share with you that what God has been speaking to me. He said, Russell, if you're going to complain about something, then don't bother praying about it. This is what the Lord spoke to me. If you're going to complain about it, then don't bother praying about it. God wasn't being mean to me when he said that to me in my prayer time. I think God has greater things that he wants to do in our ministry. More people that he wants to reach. And I've gotten too old to stop dreaming. I'm still dreaming dreams. I am still see visions from God. But let me tell you something. 
Every time you want to come up higher, your flesh has to go down lower. Every time God's trying to get you up, you got to deal with you. It's you. It's not your spouse. It's not your work. It's not anything else. It is you. If you want to go higher, have more responsibility, have more privileges, have an increased anointing, then you have to submit. And I've learned in our ministry that we move and receive more from God when we submit, the more power God gives me to resist the devil. You say, well, what do you mean? Because the Bible says if you submit yourself to God, you can resist the devil and he will flee. You don't get to resist what you won't submit to. If you can't submit and you struggle submitting to people, to submitting to authority, you can resist till you're blue in the face, but you'll resist nothing until you submit. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and what will he do? He will flee. Not go back home and get up in your bed and on your couch and your feet up and you complain to your spouse. You have to learn how to submit. Oh, you're preaching good, pastor. People see it in our life. People know if we're fly by night. People can tell if we're flaky. People can tell if we are roller coaster Christians. Up one minute, down the next, flesh-minded. Everything we talk about is us, flesh. You're not fooling spiritually mature people. You might fool your buddies. You might fool your BFFs. You might fool... All of those carnal people, but you will not, you're not going to fool spiritually mature people because they can see right through it. Your buddies will pat you on the back and say, well, I'll be there for you, girl. I'll be there for you, bro. But they don't have the spiritual responsibility or the spiritual authority to keep watch over your soul. And you can't move on to bigger and better things when your lifestyle and your actions are unsubmissive to God and his governance in your life. Write this down. You have to face the demon of unsubmission before you get to your next promotion. Aren't you glad you came tonight? Even if you're not glad, you better say yes. You got to face the demon of unsubmission. There was a demon principality that was over the place where Daniel was. And the Bible says, if you remember the book of Daniel, and I don't want you to read it now, but he asked God for something and he kept praying for 21 days while the angel finally broke through and God spoke to him concerning the principalities and powers that are over that area in order to bring Daniel the answer that he had prayed for on day one. It took 21 days for him to get his prayer through. And let me tell you something. The devil is not just some dude that comes out at Halloween with red pajamas and a horns on his head and a pitchfork. The Bible says that the enemy will come and try to take the word of God right out of your mouth, take the word of God right out of your ear, and he'll do it through the stirring of trouble in your life. He wants you to focus on that trouble rather than focusing on what God called you and assigned for you to do. If you want to go to your next level in God, you're going to have to deal with the stronghold of an unsubmitted life. Preach in there, Pastor, because in the ministry, every time that God is getting ready to move Bethel forward and upward, every time he has tried to move our ministry forward, there has always been an attack.
attack. There has always been an unscathing attack from the enemy. When we're preparing for a conference or a revival or a mission trip or a car training or whatever we're doing, every time we've stepped up to do it, we've had a stronghold come against us. The enemy trying to destroy our faith. But I've learned if I'm going to take that ground, there is a price I got to pay. I can't look at someone else's ministry and say, I want your anointing. Oh, no, you don't. You didn't have to go through the hellish things they had to go through to have that ministry. I'm declaring to you today, whatever it is that's facing you and fighting you, one, it could be God trying to deal with you, but another is he's trying to take you to your promotion and take you to your promise. And if you're going to get there, you want to deal with your flesh. I told you in January when we started the 21-day corporate fast, I shared with you, watch out for cuckoo puffs. I shared with you that people would start going cuckoo. Did I not? People start getting goofy, Looney Tunes, Hanna-Barbera, Wiley Coyote. Because they can't or won't submit to a pastor, let alone God. So when God begins to hold them accountable and deal with their flesh, if they're unwilling to submit, they don't advance. And we have to understand that when God is putting his finger on something in our life, it's because he's trying to get us ready for the thing that we asked him to do. But in fact, if we don't let him do what he wants to do in us, we would never be prepared to go to that level. Amen? And here's the way I like to say it. God has got an amazing place prepared for you. You say, well then, why is all this going on in my life? Because he's preparing you for the amazing thing that he has prepared for you. It's not what you go through. It's how you act while you go through. You say, well, this isn't preparing me for anything. It just hurts. No, trust me. He's preparing you for something big. Before God positioned Bethel Family Worship Center to grow and our ministry to begin to flourish, I was on the backside of nowhere being dealt with over and over and over again. Before God opened doors and began to flourish us, I was on the backside of nowhere, being dealt with, picked on, I thought, by God. God loved me enough to deal with me. But I have to refuse to be offended when He does. He wants me to get rid of dysfunction. He wants us to get rid of our spiritual hangnails. He has something greater that he wants us to do. It might be at work. It might be a position. It might be a new business. It might be ministry. It might be a financial increase. But if we want more, we must be prepared for more and be willing to be on the backside of nowhere and let him deal with us. He will not put you out front till you're ready. Because if he puts you out front before you're ready, it'll kill you. 
Write this down. Being offended prevents progress. Jesus was always telling people the truth. People were always being offended by the truth. And in Luke chapter 15, they got offended because he was a friend of sinners. Well, I don't know about you, friend, but I'm glad he was my friend when I was a sinner. But the Pharisees didn't like the fact that he ate with publicans and sinners. And they didn't like the fact that he would invite sinners Wicked sinners to come and sit and listen to him preach in his meetings. They did not like that. And the Bible said that they got offended. So do you know what happened? Hear me. The Pharisees couldn't hear anything, but the sinners got the truth. And that's what set them free. Offense will prevent you from progress in your life. Satan is the only one that instigates this offense because he himself is offended and he's always trying to get us to be offended everywhere we go. Now I'm going to take you through some scriptures as we get ready to, to wrap up tonight. But not yet. John chapter 6. Turn there with me if you will. Starting in verse 48. I want to show you something. I hope you're getting help tonight. In verse 48, Jesus said, I am the bread of life that gives life the living bread. Your forefathers ate the manna in the wilderness and yet they died. Isn't that comforting? <laughs> he tells me about my ancestors and said they ate and died. What's that about? Well, then he goes on to tell us in verse 50, but this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and never die. I myself am this living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And this bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh and my body. And this is where it gets really, really strange for people who don't know the canon of Scripture. Then the Jews angrily contended with one another saying, how is he able to give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus went on like this in verse 53. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, you cannot have any life in you unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Unless you appropriate his life and the saving merit of his blood. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. What? Is this a sci-fi? Is this the Blade Trilogy? What is this? And you know what the Bible said? They got mad. They got offended. Church people. He starts out, your forefathers Eight manna in the wilderness, they dead. <laughs> and now he's saying, if you, you want to learn how to take me and get all of me, if you want my miracles, then you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, what was he saying? He was speaking to people who shouldn't know the truth. But their offense caused them not to receive the truth. You can be sitting on the same row with someone tonight and hear something entirely different. Look at John chapter 6 because he gives us a great transition that has to take place. Let's write this down in the believer's mind. 
He's trying to get me to a place where I can see a transition in my mind. Because when we first come in a relationship with Jesus, it was all about what he could do for us. What was he going to do for me? And, and that's okay for a while because I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I need an increase. And God's sending all these things my way and the blessing of the Lord is everywhere. Woo, it feels good. But then starts coming some truth. We sit in under the word long enough, in the spirit long enough, then truth starts hitting us. And I remember, listen, I remember when I thought every problem I had was somebody else's fault. I actually heard God speak to my inner man. He said, you're the problem, Russell, not them. That hurt my feelings. But over the years, I've learned that you have to let God speak to you and deal with areas of your life. And I would hear God say things to me like, your attitude's wrong. You need to hush. You talk too much. I heard God tell me, you're, you're trying to be pitiful. Stand up. Take it. <laughs> you're easily offended. I heard God tell me, you're hard to deal with. God speaking to this and I'm supposed to be a Holy Ghost filled, sanctified, tongue talking preacher. But I'm going to tell you the truth. If I would have not received those things from God and I'm not saying I did immediately because it was a process. Sometimes it would take a week. It would take two weeks, a month, six months. Some things were a year I had to deal with. But God is just as stubborn as I am. My Lord, he will take his time dealing with you. I'm telling you, if I would have stayed there and wouldn't have been corrected, if I would have let my pastor correct me, if I would have let my boss at work correct me, if I would let people really deal with me and all of my stuff, I'm telling you the truth. I would not be standing here where I am today. I'd be back there wallowing in those same old problems, pointing my finger at everybody else. Being called to the ministry and answering that call is not always fried chicken. It hasn't been easy. I didn't get the opportunities that I've had because I was wishing I got it sometimes when I was on the backside of nowhere wanting to run from God because there is a demand and a price to be paid when you say yes to God. I wish I had a mature crowd to preach to on this Wednesday night. It's not always easy when God gets in the middle of you because we live in a lot of deception. Well... It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's the way I was raised. If I would have had parents, if I wouldn't have been abused, if, 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 if. And then God comes and says to us, look, none of that stuff was good. It didn't help you. But don't you use it as an excuse to act bad the rest of your life. How about you let me fix all that? Hallelujah. How about I redeem you? How about I give you double for your trouble? How about I show you how? And so every one of those things that I received 
that truth that I received from God, it was like God cutting me with a knife over and over again. He was preparing me where he was taking me. And if I couldn't submit to a pastor, a boss at work, a teacher at school, whoever, then he couldn't trust me to walk to my next level. When I think about where I could still be, when I think about the wretched miserableness that I used to have in my soul, and yes, you don't have to be a miserable sinner because I've met a lot of Christians that are miserable. How wretchedly miserable my life would have been had I not received that wonderful truth from the Holy Ghost when he continued to just hammer me, hammer me, and hammer me on this little thing and that little thing and that little thing. And sometimes he would use my pastor and my pastor would say, you're being critical, you're talking critical. And I got to the point that I didn't even want to be around my pastor because every time I said something, it was the wrong thing. What was God doing? God was trying to bring truth into my life. He loved me enough to tell me the truth about myself. It's hard to preach in a message like this, but I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost knew what was ahead of me. The anointing of my life knew what was ahead of me, and for years, he had to deal with me. I was on the backside of nowhere, being dealt with over and over and over. I was always going to the principal's office. Because you don't never graduate from the school of the Holy Ghost. Don't make me get my belt. I hear the Holy Ghost speaking to me. He will teach you how to be spirit-led. I'm not talking about goosebumps. I'm talking about he will confront you till you submit to him. Let's get over this attitude of, oh, another thing that's wrong with me. I'm sick and tired of God telling me all these things that are wrong with me. God didn't confront you so you would pout. God didn't confront you so you could blame your everyone else. He confronted you to bring repentance and renewal and refreshing. Am I preaching to a Holy Ghost church tonight? Here he says, I took care of your forefathers and they still died. I gave them wilderness manna and they did not live. What I got to Give you will transition you into glory. You've got to eat of my flesh and drink my blood. You must die to your stinking flesh. You've got to transition this thing called the mind where you think you know everything. And I heard the Lord saying, I want you to stop worrying about what I can do for you for a while. And now find out what you can do for me. I'm tired of being that Christian who thinks that church is going to pay my bills. Church owes me and they better have a good kids ministry. And they better have a transportation ministry. And they better have food ministry. And they better have a pin of rose on my nose just because I am who I am. It's not about you, boo-boo. Don't go home tonight and say, well, they didn't give me no word. I've given you 100,000 words tonight. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm what you really need. If you'll take everything from me, you'll have everything that you have need of. When you take Jesus, you have everything that comes with Jesus. He gives it all to you. He's the owner and the heir of all things. And the Bible said that you and I are joint heirs with Jesus, everything that has become ours 
when everything that we have becomes his. I can have all of him when he has all of me. I want you to stand before you get too wilted tonight. And I've got a few more scriptures, so if you're a journal boy, stay with me here. Everyone that is listening tonight, we must come to the place where we give everything to God. Stop dancing around these same old mountains, going through these same trials, going from church to church. This is what amazes me. People say, well, I got offended at that church. I'm not saying church hurt isn't real. I've been there. But going to a new environment is not going to fix you because you're going to run into you again. You went to that new church and who did you see? You. You found you again. Stop that foolishness. Stop being mad all the time. Stop being aggravated and frustrated and upset, unhappy, disconnected, and unsatisfied. Tell God. That you want his will in your life no matter what it takes, even if it scares me. Do it, God. Because if you don't take care of your offense set, the same set of offenses that follow you, if you don't take care of that, you're going to end up like the people in John 6 and 66. 666. And after this, many of his disciples drew back, returned to their old associations, and no longer accompanied him. Eat your flesh and drink your blood. What you talking about? I just want to go to a church where I can just blend in. I don't want nobody to question me. I just want to come late, leave early. I don't want to have the responsibility. Come on, smile at me. I don't want all that. I didn't know how to sign up for that. I just want to breeze in, breeze out. Don't nobody know about where I'm at. I want to go to the club on Friday night still. I got to go get my jig on. I got to go dance somewhere. I got to get a little something. Don't get mad at me now. Don't get mad at me. You mad at me, don't you we're gonna take care of it. Right here. Tell God I want whatever you have for me, even if it scares me to death. Because I don't want to end up like these people. And this, when they heard what he had to say, they knew they couldn't do it. I can't do it. And they got offended they turned back and they would no longer accompany him see we're fine as long as it's all about me 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 but when God starts calling for transition and he tells you to stop being selfish and he tells you to stop being self-centered and he tells you to stop being self-focused and he tells you listen please don't get offended at what I'm gonna say well if you do that's okay I'm a social media user. I think it's wonderful that you can post pictures of your family and your hobby and you can talk about what God's doing in your life and you can brag on good things that are happening. But if every day 
you're taking a selfie of yourself, if every day it's a picture of you again, do you know what that is? That's insecurity. That's look at me because I need someone to make me feel good about myself. And the truth is, there's nothing wrong with the selfie. Don't get mad at me here. But I want you to understand, people who are spiritually mature can see that a mile away. Something's off. Selfish, self-centered, self-focused, self-absorbed. The Holy Ghost dealt with me about that. And I want to make a statement that I want every member of this church to hear. I don't care if you work in this church if the way you're living isn't working at home. Another picture of me feeding the homeless. Look at all them poor people behind me. I don't care if you work in this church if what you have isn't working at home in your marriage. Now, don't get me wrong, I do care, but I'm trying to get you to transition your mind. Stop being offended at God. Stop being offended at His Word. Stop being offended at His pastors. God just wants someone to know the honeymoon is over. Now He wants you to start working on your marriage with Him. Cancun was good. But the honeymoon over. That means you're going to have to change. Change your mouth. Change your mind. Change your moods. You're either going to embrace it or you're going to resist it. And that's why he turned to his disciples in verse 67 and said, Will you also go away? Do you also desire to leave me? Because he knew not all of them could eat his flesh and drink his blood. Now, if I'm of you be watching this on TV or you're catching this at the last, and you're like, man, that's the vampire church over there. They doing this crazy stuff. <laughs> it's just God trying to get your attention. Would you bow your head for a moment? Holy Ghost, speak to us. Speak to us on this Wednesday night. Speak to me. Change me. Transition me. Let my mind become what it needs to be. Let what I do for you work not only in this church, but work for me on my job and in my marriage. It's easy to, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook to put all these wonderful, glorious, fake posts about how everything is so perfect in your life. And if you're constantly doing that, it's because you're trying to project an image, but really inside you have dead men's bones. And God said, I want to deal with it tonight. I want to deal with it tonight. Now you're either going to let God deal with you, you're going to embrace it and not be offended, or you're going to resist it and go back and turn away and say, this is too much for me. But I'm telling you, God loves you so much that he is calling you to another level. But to get there, he will have to deal with you on the backside of nowhere. 
The altar's open tonight to anybody that wants to pray. If you want to come forward and pray, if you want to kneel at your seat and pray. But I hear the Holy Ghost saying that we need to deal with our offense set, whatever it is, whatever it is. Tonight, when God is speaking to you, he's speaking to me because I have to live what I preach. On Sunday, I preached about the finished work. Before the day was over, I had to live what I preached. God wants to deal with us in these areas so that 2021 will look different for us. That the promotion that he promised me, I'm prepared to receive it. Father, speak to us tonight. Deal with us. Deal with us on the inside. Deal with us, Lord. Speak to my life, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Let the Holy Spirit envelop you. Lord, search my heart. As they lift their voice to sing, the altar is open. Your seat can become an altar. Your couch can become an altar. Wherever you are, that you would just say, yes, Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 